Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/host. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of Only Is the Anxiety podcast with me, Caroline Foran. We are now in season six of the series, and I hope you are finding this helpful and enjoyable. My guest this week is Mark Fennell. He's a life coach. He is he's fantastic. He's brilliant. And the topic that we explore is the power of mindset. So it's something we hear a lot, but I'm actually kind of unsure sometimes. What is mindset? How can we change our mindset? Is it a fixed thing? How does our mindset influence anxiety? How much does it impact and shape our life and our daily experience? And Mark just has such brilliant pearls of wisdom as to how we can shape and influence our mindset and really what we're dealing with it and, and how big of a deal it is when it comes to anxiety. He also has experienced quite crippling anxiety himself, so he speaks a lot not just as an expert but also from first-hand experience. So I hope you find this helpful and enjoyable um, and thanks as always for for your listening and for your feedback and we'll be back soon. Mark Fennell, thank you so much for joining me on uh, season six of Owning It, the Anxiety podcast. We have a few mutual friends and I'm delighted to finally have this time to chat to you. I think there's so much that we can discuss. So first of all, first of all, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, your podcast has been a part of my playlist for a very long time. So oh. to be chatting with you now is really, really cool. So thanks so much for having me. I suppose just to start off, if we can just explain your life coach and how do you work with people? What does that look like? Because I think we hear that word a lot and it's maybe it's a little bit of mystery around it. There is a lot of mystery. Well, I say mystery because people think, you know, oh, listen, I can do a weekend course and now I'm a life coach. And in some respects, I suppose that kind of is true. I'm doing it 15 years. Um, when I studied for it and and trained for it um it was uh, a lot tougher because i had to do it through kind of like psycho- uh, psychology and through kind of therapy and counseling outlets so not that i'm a therapist or a counselor i always stress that 
but it was uh, a lot of study and so forth involved and I had to kind of do it overseas, do it here and um, stuff like that. So can anyone be a life coach? Yes. But ultimately what it comes down to is I suppose their experience and their training. And I think, you know what, I'd always ask if someone's thinking of getting a life coach, well, you want to see the, the, the reviews or the testimonies. You want to see that they've been around for a long time because people use this word. So um, I, I suppose uh, loosely yeah. um, and it's, it's, it's not ideal because because you are literally speaking into someone's life and you're helping them with their future life. So you've got to know what you're doing. And I think, yeah, be careful of, if you're looking for a life coach, make sure you get someone who's got the experience and the credentials. That's what I say. Okay. And how do you work with someone then? Like if, if someone comes to you and they say, like for the relevance of this podcast, I'm struggling with anxiety. Why would they go to you over a therapist? Yeah, that's great. I mean, so therapy very much looks into uh, the more the history or the past of the person, um, you know, and where it may have come from and so forth. So where do I come from? Well, although I do an element of that, it's very much where are you at now? Where do you want to get to and what's holding you back? Now, in this instance, we'll say it's anxiety. So I will explore that and I'll go through them. Now, I've, you know, trained in cognitive behavioral therapy and so I'm probably a little bit more, there's a few more strings to my bow as a life. That's just purely from the, I've been doing it long enough and yeah. passionate. I'm always, you know, studying and learning. But here's what I always will say. I'll say, well, look, if, if your problem didn't exist, how would your life be different? If, you know, what you're going through, if you weren't going through it, where, where would your life have continued on from when it, before it showed up? Now, with anxiety, I'd say, it's because I work with hundreds of people every year with anxiety because of my own experience, but it's, it's something that's relevant to everyone struggles with anxiety at some point in their life. I think that's true for us all some more, more degree than others, but I'd always say it like this. I'd say, look, if it didn't, if anxiety didn't exist for you, how would your life be different? And when I suppose I'll start with that and we'll talk around what the problem is, how it's shown up on the daily, how it's been a problem since when, and it gets them into a new, what I would call mindset. Um, and mindset is something that, again, it's a word that gets used a lot, but what is it? Well, mindset is just your frame of mind. And it's really how, how are you at with yourself in how your outlooks and how you view yourself. But more importantly, what are you saying to yourself about yourself on a regular basis? Because that will all frame our mindset. I always put it like this, Caroline. I always say, when you get into your car, you know, um, mindset is like the radio. Do you just let play whatever plays automatically every day? Or do you manually tune into a, a frequency as it were that you enjoy that makes you feel better? And mindset's like that. We can run with the automatic pilot like that we've always ran with. Or sometimes we need to kind of have some intervention or interjection where we say, hang on a minute, this is not serving me well. And that's where I'll always start when it comes to coaching the client, so to speak. Brilliant. And just you touched on it there. I think it's always really like wonderful to know that someone that you're talking to a professional is not just coming at it from a professional perspective but knows what it's like and has been there I think that for me has all was always the key for any time I talk to anyone about anxiety what I really wanted was someone who could say I know what this feels like I've been there and I'm okay now and I I know that you will be too um because I went to a few different doctors who aren't quite honestly at the time like before you know, it was before anxiety was talked about to the extent that it is now, looked at me like I had two heads and just took a medical, you know, book out and started scanning the pages looking for something that could make sense of it. And I just felt, you know, 10 times worse. So could yeah. you just tell us a little bit about your experience with anxiety? When was that? What what brought it about and how did it manifest for you? Oh, listen, Caroline, you know what? You, you're so right. And this is why I love your podcast, because I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of fluffy stuff out there and, you know, people say, oh, I help you with this, help you with that. And, and I think we have to kind of keep it real because like what you said, um, going back to when I had it, which was 15 years ago, 
Um, and I was, I was a victim of my own success. And essentially I'll share the story with you. I'll give you the condensed version. Um, but basically what happened was I was very successful we were with myself, and my wife running the business. I was coaching, I was, you know, doing seminars three times a week, every week, all year round. You know, I was traveling to UK, traveling to the States, speaking at huge conventions. It, I was flying, which was brilliant. And, you know, I was delighted. I loved what I was doing, but I was burning the candle at both ends. And I'd never, I'd had anxiety really bad in primary school because I was bullied really badly. Um, and I might talk about that story a little bit later on, but yeah. um, I got bullied really badly in, in primary school. And what happened to me was fifth and sixth class. And then I was going to secondary school and I said, oh, great, you know, the bully won't be there. And in the first day of school, I realized the bully was there. And I went, oh no, brand new school. You know yourself when you're, you know, that age, 12, 13, you can think I can reinvent myself in secondary school, you know, yeah. to a degree. Oh, I won't such be a the fragile guy. time. Oh, it is. And this is, was my first experience of real anxiety because he, the first day of my new school, he was there. And, you know, he says, oh, who are you, final? And I was like, oh no, here we go again. And I'd have already told my mom, she, I couldn't hide it anymore. So she knew and she was aware I had been bullied. But here's what I say to people on that note, before I tell you my, what happened when I was an adult. I always say when your future compels you, it propels you. And I, and I always say that because that was the game changer for me. Um, and what happened by that was I said, I don't want my future in this new school to be the same identity of the bullied guy, you know, the guy who gets treated so bad. I didn't want that. And I didn't want that more. I should say that that drive was more compelling than settling into that anxiety role. Yeah. And I said, in spite of the fear, I'm going to face up to this bully right now. The, I'm putting this into words now, but obviously at the time I didn't fully understand what I was doing. I just said, I'm not putting up with this anymore. Yeah. And I stood up to him and I said, you're not going to bully me anymore. And that's it. And uh, he said, what are you going to do about it? I said, well, I dare you to bully me and I guarantee you, you're not going to win. Right. And I didn't, and as I, those words left my mouth <laughs> inside, I was like, this guy's a lot taller than me inside. I'm like, oh no, this is not going to go well for me. What did I just say? You know, um, I never, uh, fortunately, thankfully, he, I think maybe he just had, the, I had a look in my eye or something, but I never got bullied again after that. And the wow. schools, uh, it was amazing. Right. And I said, thank God, because I thought he was going to really, you know, beat me up or something, yeah. but he didn't. And I think because he was in a new school as well, and he realized that this school is not going to handle the bullying like my last school. And, you know, maybe it was that, that threat of what might happen in the school. So that was the end of the bullying. Fast forward to my 20s. You know, and, you know, about 15 years ago, as I say, and I'm flying it. And all of a sudden, this sensation started coming in me. I, as in, I wasn't always hungry. I was starting to feel nauseous. And then I started feeling like when I was eating, like I wanted to retch, you know, it was, it was really weird, you know, and these sensations started to manifest. And I didn't know what it was until, like, I'll give you an example. This is how it actually really triggered off. One night after a seminar, a couple come up to me and said, can we steal you away for 20 minutes? Um, just want to get some advice in our situation. They're going through marital issues. I, I remained with that couple till midnight. I went to home, went to bed, got up at 6.30 next morning, went to the gym. I had a chest pain and got all dizzy in the gym. And not that I blacked out, but I did go to the ground. And next thing I'm in hospital, they're treating me for what they suspect as a heart attack. I'm kept in overnight. Um, I'm in my twenties. I'm like, this doesn't happen to me. This happens, you know, old people, this yeah. doesn't happen to me. And like, what's going on? And through the test in the couple of days in, in the hospital, they said, look at, we know categorically it wasn't a heart attack. Um, it must be muscular. We'll send you, you know, for scans for that, whatever. It wasn't a heart attack, thankfully. But what it turned out to be was from talking with the doctors and so forth, they said, look, it's, it's exhaustion. You know, your adrenaline levels are, are on go all the time. And I loved what I did. And that's what kept me busy. But here's what happened. Fear got in. 
fear got in the door. It was the first time when I felt my body had failed me or I wasn't fully in control. I couldn't just think my way, you know, I'll get through this and I'll get through this. You know, I couldn't just think my way out of it. My body now called the shots sometimes and overrid whatever way I was thinking at the time. Does that make sense? So I, I kind of felt that I wasn't in control, but if my body gets into that state or if fear comes in or anxiety comes in, it now takes control of my life. And that was the, the the catalyst that threw my anxiety out the door, like literally went up a hundredfold yeah. for about exactly. two years. It's the exact same for me. It's like that fear of the fear. And it's almost like people yeah. expect you to be reassured by the fact that it was, it's not a heart attack. So don't worry. But if it's not a heart attack, then it's just you losing control and it's your yes. anxiety. And that is fucking petrifying. Like it how, is horrendous. And then it just self-perpetuates, you know? Do you know what happened to me? I like next thing I'm like, why can't I stop thinking about my any pain? I got this like uh, health anxiety then, which I didn't yeah. know what, what it was. So I'm, I'm Googling every pain sensation, every what's going on. I never felt like this before in my life. And it was, oh, it took me ages to recall. I remember feeling like this when I was bullied in school. That's the last time I remember feeling like it, but they never told me it was anxiety or whatever at the time. I just thought it was stress. That was the word used at the time, stress. So went to the doctor, doctor wanted to medicate me and medication has its place. Um, absolutely. But for me, I was like, no, I can't. Cause I was coaching at them at that time. And I, and I said, I, I know I, if I got into this, I can get myself out of this. If it's, if it's, as they're, everyone's telling me, it's all in my head. If I heard that term one more time, it's all in your head. Yeah. Yeah. If we could just switch it off, then that'd be no, great. That'd be handy. Yeah, for sure. So what happened was anyway, they wanted to medicate. I didn't go on medication, but um, I remember at the time the doctor saying, look, you're having a breakdown. Do you realize this? I became the shell, a shell of a man, literally. It took me two years to overcome the anxiety and it was a horrendous two years. And when you thought you were over it, it came back again. And in the fear of the fear, like you said, it was actually Winston Churchill said, the only thing to fear is fear itself. I remember reading that quote at the time. I remember at one point I couldn't stop thinking about, oh, what if they didn't diagnose my heart right? What if they missed it? What if it is heart, you know, my heart? And, uh, and then I started thinking, what if I die? What if the rest of my life is thrown away and I never make it to 30? But I remember all that, right? And here's what happened. I... I started Googling, why can't I stop thinking these thoughts I don't want to think? And I remember at one point Googling how to know if I'm going insane. I Googled that. Like, that's how bad it got, how fearful I got. But eventually I got to, I overcame it. And how I overcame it, we can probably talk about it a little bit, but I literally had to unbox the fear. And one of the biggest realizations I understood when I got this and I grasped this about anxiety was this. Anxiety is a horrendous feeling. It's a hor- horrible state. It affects your thinking. It's a, it's a very powerful thing, but it cannot control me. It can influence and try and influence and torment me as it were, but it cannot control me. I still have the power to make the decisions in what I do. That was one of the game changers for me. And when I read this, uh, an article by a psychologist, and I did this huge amount of study, and he said, you know what, it's very hard to tell yourself, stop thinking. It's like, you know, the old story, stop thinking about the the elephant, you know, and then your brain shows you an elephant in order to show, okay, so this is what we don't want to think about. So you can't stop. You have to, as you say, you have to sometimes own it. Yeah. Oh God. And I just think like for that to be 15 years ago when there was no awareness, we didn't have the language around it. Also being male, I'm sure influenced it further because men didn't struggle with well like on the surface didn't they didn't struggle with their mental health they didn't talk about it so was that an was that like another layer of anxiety given just like the context that you were in society being a man there being no awareness of it it being perceived as weakness back then and and there just being no resources around there was no resource and you're right being a man is like you know particularly because you're married as well and at the time and and i'm like i have to be the the strong man in the relationship you know i i don't want i didn't want to be putting this pressure because it was upsetting my wife because she was seeing like what's happening 
you what's going on. They didn't use the word anxiety for a year. That word never came up for a year. It was you're stressed or, you know, just, we're not sure what's wrong. Like they didn't even know what the word was. And I, I remember one day going, oh, this is anxiety. And I remember seeing in an article, a printed article, oh, this is anxiety, what I'm experiencing. And that gave clarity to me because now I knew I had the word for it. Before yeah. it was like, it's your nerves or you're stressed or, you know, and I was never an anxious person, only that incident in school. And that was the amazing thing about it. And then as who can you talk to? Because everyone you talk to, they think you're strange. You know, they think there's something wrong with, or there's something up with him. He's not himself. He's saying he can't stop thinking thoughts. What's that about? Yeah. You know, there is that approach and it's horrendous. So you are, you do. I remember at the time I felt so isolated. Uh, very few. I mean, my wife and my mother are the only two people I ever spoke to. And my mom was a huge help because she said, you know what, you know, just, just keep going about your day regardless of how you feel and those words literally if, if i was going to get it, i don't have a tattoo but i was going to get a tattoo that'll be it you know yeah. you know it's just go about your Pull day no matter how you feel other. well mm. that takes an incredible strength to be able to you know go about your day when anxiety can just really shut you down and i mean i wasn't capable of, of going about my day and i think it's interesting there people always think you know when when you go through something like that that something really traumatic must have happened to you and you did have a traumatic experience in that you you know fell to the ground but you were in a situation where like you loved your job you loved what you do but stress can just build up and up for me and and, and like just turn into anxiety when it's left unaddressed and you were burning the candle you were putting pressure on you know your your adrenals on all these things that that need to be in balance and when that goes on for too long it can just tip over into an anxiety space and if we don't understand it we don't have the awareness of it it can be incredibly frightening and then it can grow arms and legs and become this whole other monster we have to deal with yeah. um, and that's I guess the goal of this podcast and I guess the goal of the work you do is to, to help people understand it before it gets to that point so that, that they can you know, set about making themselves feel well again. But it sounds like for you, the the crucial part for you, you know, obviously there's so many different things we can do for anxiety, whether it's looking at, you know, your lifestyle, pairing back the, the amount of commitments you have. But the crucial thing for you was working on your mindset. And that is now mm. very much what you bring in to help, you help other people. So I'd love for now, now in your expert position to go <laughs> into mindset in greater detail, because yes. like you said, it's something that, you know, we hear a lot. And, and I think I was probably a bit unclear of what mindset is. So you've defined it as really just your state of mind. Is that is that as far as you would go with defining mindset? No, it's a bit more than that. Um, you know, it, it, it is your state of mind, your frame of mind to to many respects. But here's what I want to I, I say this to people. You know, sometimes you've got to identify that your your thoughts are not your own. We all know that. Right. And your emotions are transient. They change as well. But I always say separate your head from your heart. That's how I put it, right? Separate your head from your heart. Because if you, all of what you thought and all of what you believed was all in your head, your, your thinking, right? You'd never have anxiety because you'd be in complete control of what you're thinking and what you're doing. Let me explain it like this. If our thoughts were our own 100%, we'd never have a nightmare because why would we do that to ourselves? So it proves that we're never in control of what we think, but we are in control of who we are and what we do. And that's where I say, I mean, I put it like that, separate your heart from your head, you know, and of the real person of who you really are. That's how we know, you see, when anxiety is a problem because we go, I, I know this isn't right because the, our heart says this isn't right. This is not correct that we're feeling like this. We, we've identified there's something wrong. There's conflict, inner conflict, so to speak. So always separate your heart from your head. What I will do with someone, I'll always ask them certain questions about when it comes to mindset, because mindset goes, and I always go to a heart level on it. I don't mean literally your heart now. I'm just using that term to separate, to distinguish the difference. Like, a, do you mean like is, kind of like a gut instinct kind of heart? Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly nailing your head. Your gut instinct, you know, the, the, the real you. Sometimes, even when I was in the height of anxiety and couldn't sleep, couldn't eat and 
you know, the fear of what will people think and all of these things. Even when I was all that, there was a part of me said always knew though what was the right what I did want. Even though I was overshadowed, and I mean, I was it was like a wave. I was completely bazookaed by this anxiety. Yeah. But there was a part of me knew. But what I want is free of this. That your gut, your instinct, the real you. I will sometimes call it, because here's what I say: because the real you doesn't exist always in our thoughts. It's in our heart, our gut. Right? Let me separate it for you. If, for example, someone comes into me and say, like, I'm suffering anxiety, whatever else, I'll say like that question I ask. Well, if fear didn't exist how would your life be? Now that will be the real them that will give you the answer. That's the, the heart, their gut, their instinct, what they really want. If fear didn't exist, how would your life be different? What would you do different? There's actually questions I'll always ask people to evaluate where they're at. I'll give you the questions. You can, um, people might want to write them down or whatever, but I'll always say, well, look, where do you want your life to, to be next week, six months or a year? Okay. For example, I say, if you are at point A, what does point B look like in the next time? You know, weeks, yeah. months, year. And they'll say, okay, I'll try and grasp that. Now, someone in, in the throngs of anxiety find it very hard to do. But what I'm starting to do is shift their, their thinking out of I'm this anxious person to what if I wasn't? Because as we all know, when it comes to anxiety, the what if question is the biggest hook, line and sinker. It starts, everything starts with a what if. It's like, what if this, or what if it's my heart or what if it's whatever. And that's where the anxiety follows. So I said, but what if you didn't have anxiety? And I you kind of flip it on its head. Then I'll say is, so what's holding you back on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis? I'll break it down for them. I'll say like in your job, you know, and then obviously socially and in your personal life, how is anxiety holding you back? Let's talk about those areas. Let's, let's compartmentalize, segment your week and let's see where it's showing up. And then what I'll do is I'll say, you know, what is it that you believe about yourself? Um, now I'm, I'm skirting over these, but I would go into these a little bit more, yeah. but I'll say, what is it that you believe about yourself? A lot. Sometimes people say, oh, I'm just different or I'll always be an anxious person. Sometimes people believe that about themselves. And I say, well, as long as you believe that, you know, that's who you become because what we believe is who we become at the end of the day. Um, I, and I'll also look into things like, you know, predisposition you know, we've probably heard the five P's and stuff like yeah. that. I'll go into that a little bit. You know, where did you learn it? Is it true? Uh, and what is the benefit of you believing you're an anxious person? What is the benefit in it? Now, this is me speaking to their heart, the, the gut, their instinct, the real them. And they'll say, well, there's no benefit in it. You know, and I say, what is the benefit you believe that anxiety was a part of your life, but it wasn't your life? It's a part of, of what, what happens, but it's not who you are. And I start to segment and separate because that's what I did for me. When I started to do that, I started to, I suppose, get a clearer picture. The biggest thing with anxiety is the fear of fear, not knowing what is this sensation? Why am I thinking this? Am I losing my mind? What's wrong with me? Am I broken? But I always like to say, look, it's fixable. You are repairable. And I start there. I, I, I don't use, and, and I put that in there, like some people, will, there's a lot of fluffy stuff on, particularly Instagram. I love Instagram, but it's a lot of fluffy stuff on there. Like, here's what I find. And I think it's a point worth mentioning, Caroline. A lot of people will start, say, something like meditating because of their anxiety. Now, I never meditated, right? Um, I'm not, it has its place and a lot of people get a lot out of it. So I'm not knocking it whatsoever. But it's find what works for you. Because for me, if I started, and this is what I've discovered with anxiety, if I started doing something in a routine because of my anxiety, I'm now doing that meditation because of anxiety. In an, in an indirect way, I'm still impairing anxiety in my life. I, I know I'm doing something to counteract it, but it's, Let's do the things that we did before anxiety maybe existed and the things we, we love to do if anxiety wasn't in existence at all for us. There to think, does that make sense? Yeah, because yeah. We, we empower anxiety 
by, okay, I'm going to start journaling. I'm going to start drinking more water. I'm going to start doing this all because of anxiety. You're still serving anxiety, you see. And I, I find that's why I don't, don't start those things because of anxiety. Start those things if you want to do these things if anxiety didn't exist for you, if you want to do these things because you think you'd love to do these things, well, then start them. But don't start things because of anxiety because ultimately you're still keeping anxiety, the conversation indirectly. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really um, interesting way of looking at it. Okay, so those those that's kind of how you get a sense of someone's mindset. So would I yes. be right in saying that some elements of it are quite transient, but then like things like your core beliefs about yourself or your predisposing factors, they would be fixed. And um, what else, like what are the more transient things that influence our mindset that, you know, like I presume if you're under a lot of stress, that's going to influence your mindset. I presume if you are heartbroken, that's going to influence your mindset. What are those things that we're, we think we're not in control of what we are? So I always look at it like this, right? I There's two things I do. The first thing is I unbox the fear. That's what I call it, right? And I get a piece of paper. I draw a line down the middle with them and I'll have on one side controllables and I'll have on the other side the uncontrollables, okay? This is where I unbox the fear. And anxiety is a reaction to a perceived threat to a fear. So I'll unbox the fear for them, right? Unbox the anxiety and I say, right, what is it that you're fearing most? So you know the way I've gone through and I've segmented their week and I'll pick, say, their work, right? So, okay, so anxiety shows up in work at such and such a time or, you know, there may be a pattern to it. Um, and I'll go through that with them and I'll say, right, let's unbox that. And they say, well, the fear of what if I get it wrong in the meeting or what if my anxiety comes up and people see it? What if I have a panic attack, attack in the office? And I say, okay, well, let's see what we can do. They're uncontrollables. Now, people will always go, you mean I can't control the, anxiety, the panic attack? No, no. I said, if it shows up or you go through it, these are what we call uncontrollables. But let's look at how you, what we can control. And I'll say, right, well, look at I mean, watching your, your caffeine intake is definitely going to have an impact. You know, quality of sleep is huge. People underestimate that all the time. Um, also looking at, you know, drinking enough water, you know, maybe getting a blood test, making sure you're B12. And we go through all the practical stuff that we can control. But then we also look at what are the things that you're saying to yourself, focusing on, listening to, all of those influences. Well, you can control all of them. And un- what they end up seeing is that, well, actually, with all of my controllables that I have, I'm far more in control of the uncontrollables. So they think, what if the panic attack comes? Well, let's say the panic attack could just come, but here's what you can do in order to prevent a panic attack. So we, we unbox it and we give clarity. Now I'm giving a kind of loose examples here, but you can see what it does is it gives them a plan now. Shall I say a go-to? Well, I say, well, if I can do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, well, then I don't have to work about, worry about X, Y, Z. Well, here's what I do find when we talk about the anxiety and the fear that's kind of sometimes undercurrent of it is that the fear, they might think, oh, what if I have a panic attack? What will people think? And I say, right, are you going to survive? If you had a panic attack, God forbid, in the office in front of you know 20 people back in the days when we had offices like that. But if that, God forbid, did happen to you, are you going to survive it? And I said, do you know on record a panic attack has never killed anybody? I said, there's no you know, a cause of death panic attack. I said, never happened. I said, just so you know, so it's not going to kill you. And that in itself gives a bit of relief. But then I say, so what about if you do have that panic attack in the office? Are you going to survive it? Okay, well, I will survive. It. Will it be horrendous? Yes. But what will they think? And I said, well, supposing they all take an opinion. Oh, there's Mary and she always has the panic attacks. I said, if they do take that opinion, will you get through that? Will you survive that? And I really confront the fear. It's kind of like exposure therapy. You know, I expose them to the fear that they may not have verbalized before and that in itself dilutes the fear to a degree and i say well let's deal with that fear supposing you do have a panic attack and it does happen well let's talk about what we do the fallout afterwards and when you do that for some people that kind of gives them you know what i don't want to go through it but at least i 
I should say the unpredictability element has been taken away and that does disempower fear as well. So there are ways you can help those fears along as well by doing that. So that's the unboxing the fear. But here's the second thing I do. I talk about extrinsic and intrinsic motivation, right? Now, extrinsic are external motivators. You know, I, I show up to work on time because if I show up late, my boss is going to give out to me. That's an external motivator. But I go, I talk more about the intrinsic, the internal, the, the why behind what we do. You've probably heard that mentioned before. And I talk about what is it that makes you come alive? What are the things that motivate you? What are the things that, shall I say, make you show up to things or do things prior to anxiety if we are in a state right now of anxiety i said pre-anxiety what are your internal motivators the things that make you come alive now let's start planning your week with that in mind you know you're you're socially professionally and so forth because what that does is it digs deep and reminds us of why we started this career or job or relationship or friendship, why we started in the first place, what makes us come alive and what makes us feel fulfilled because anxiety makes you forget all of that stuff. Absolutely. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Amazing. What do you think, in your observation, is the most significant influence on someone's mindset? It's you know what it's a it's a it's kind of like the pie you know there's a few few segments to it I think it's what we it's what we watch it's what we listen to um it's 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 what we say to ourselves really it's the inner narratives the, between the two ears the things we say to ourselves on the regular are the most influential things to our our mindset you know if we tell ourselves we're not enough you know or I don't have what it takes or I'm you know I'm I'm an imposter or you know I've, I've experienced people dealing with imposter syndrome like feeling they're a fraud or they faked it or they're there by chance even people who are in motherhood or you know a father or you know imposter syndrome can affect a lot of us in a lot of ways and they think oh look I compare they look on Instagram or they look online and they see everyone's kind of you know living their best life and all this kind of stuff and as soon as you walk into that comparison trap, you know, they say comparison is the thief of joy. And the day we start comparing, which is very easy, we're humans, this is what we all can do easily. The second we start comparing, we will disappoint ourselves. And I always say this. So what you do first thing sometimes in the morning is very influential in your mindset. You know, if you go on straight onto Instagram and you're scrolling and you're, you know, you've only awoken, you're now being reactive rather than being proactive. I always think start your morning and be in control of your day but start your morning by what you want to get done. In fact, I'll always do a thing with, I talked about the most influential thing, like I said, is what we say to ourselves. Well, in the morning, 
I will do this with clients. I'll say, right, here's do this for the laugh, right? I'll say, who is who are you? What's your best side out, right? So in three words, describe your best self. And they go, oh, three words describe my best self. Now, as Irish, we're all like, we're, we're all very humble. You know, I don't want to be, you know, my best self, right? But I said, oh, just give me three words, right? Um, because, and they'll come up and say three words, you know, confident, a good communicator and a peacemaker or whatever, or generous or whatever they might be. Three best words. Now I said, right. Now, when you get up in the morning, I want you to do this. I want you to say to yourself, I'm confident, I'm this and I'm that. And I'm going to deal with my day, you know, in that mindset, right? Because that even in itself. Now, why do I do that? Because actually we're doing it every single day. We are setting our mindset to who we believe we are every morning. Every morning we're looking on Instagram, comparing ourselves and then thinking they're better than us and we're not good enough and whatever else. And then we go on about our day. And it's just like getting into the car. Do we let play what's on automatically or do we manually intervene? Now, I'm, I'm not a, one of these necessarily, you know, affirmations and keep saying I'm, I'm great, I'm amazing. I'm, it's not like that as such. It's just for me to create in a client a self-awareness that, see, you are thinking these things about yourself all the time. But when you start to tune into manually to do it, it's kind of like, oh, I've never done this before. Mm. But sometimes we do have to set our mindset, but it really goes down to that inner narrative. What, what is the language? What's the story we're always telling ourselves? And I always believe anxiety comes from a story that maybe got misconstrued or it's been a story there and undercurrent all our lives. But, you know, what is the story we're telling ourselves? What? Because I know when it comes to an anxiety story, it always ends in the fear of someone dying or severe loss or pain, you know, and, and it, what is the story? So I always will, when it comes to mindset and it applies, whether you're anxious or not, pretty much everything, it starts in the morning, but ultimately the most Im- impacting thing on our mindset is what we say to ourselves internally. Yeah, it's huge. I think people, you know, we read a lot about mindset. We see inspirational quotes on Pinterest or Instagram and, yeah. you know, we just decide I'm going to just change my mindset and that's going to solve everything. And you try and just like digest, a, a, you know, a, an uplifting quote as though it's going to immediately transform you. And, and then yeah. you feel disappointed because you're back to the same narrative of the way you speak to yourself. Changing your mindset is not as simple as people think. I guess we. I want to know where do people start and what are some... I guess that just talk about that misconception that you can just decide, oh, I'm just going to be a chill person today or I'm just going to be, I'm just going to have the mindset today that it's like, you know, not don't sweat the small stuff and all these things that you, it's, you can't just fundamentally break yourself apart and put yourself back together again with the, with the most perfectly well-adjusted mindset. So, so where do we start? Yeah, great question. Well, listen, it's a whole lot deeper than that. And, and some people think, you know, if I just tell myself, that's why I said, yeah, I'm not all about affirmations has its place, but it's a very small part of the whole thing because it really comes back to, remember I said about heart and head, this is the way I always, I always describe it that way. When it goes back to us, the real us, beliefs and values, you know, that's what it's going to come down to, you know, what we truly believe. You know, people think, oh, well, oh, I believe it's, you know, it's this, I believe I'm like that or whatever. No, beliefs are ingrained, like literally, like belief is a belief. You you literally believe it. Um, and I will always examine those beliefs. And that's where I'll get under the hood of the car, so to speak, you know, the nuts and bolts of what makes someone come alive. The affirmations are more in the cognitive side of things and it's more in the front of our brain and that's fine. But really these things go much deeper, you know, more subconscious level where things we don't realize that we're operating out of all of the time, you know, things we value and things we believe. And like, literally I work with people in, you could be 45 and they've believed since they were 15 that they're not enough. So, you know, you're talking 30 years of a belief. It doesn't just go away by a few positive words. It absolutely doesn't. You know, you can't journal your, journal your way out of that, um, you know, and journaling again. I'm a big believer in journaling uh, when just it to comes observe. to your anxiety, yeah. but it has its place, right? Absolutely. But I will say it's going to take a lot more than that. You're going to need a coach because it's very hard to fix 
a problem with the same mindset that created the problem in the first place. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get it wrong because we're looking at it from the same perspective we've always viewed it. There are stuff that are at play in our lives that we don't even realize we're operating out of. And you sometimes have to go back to default and go back to that, get under the hood. And I, I talk about, you know, the why behind what we do. I know I've kind of loosely mentioned that, but I really get into that. What makes the person come alive? What makes them jump out of that bed no more? Not that we're saying that's going to be every day or anything, but what is the thing that they say? I love to do this. I lose track when I'm doing this. I lose, I, I lose track of time. I just love to be in this zone or this headspace or this flow state or whatever you call it. But really going back to beliefs and values and where they've come from, what has, I suppose, created them in our lives over time and putting words on it because sometimes we think we're not enough, but we've never actually put it in verbalized and getting those words out. What is that you're thinking? What is that you're saying to yourself on a common basis? Now, this is where I do use journaling. I'll say to people, you know, journaling, what's triggering you? Journal your triggers, journal what's causing this in you so that we can then figure out, because here's what I always find. Always, there's always a pattern. There's always a pattern as something that this regular pattern it may change its face, but it's still the same pattern of a thinking process or a trigger every now and then. And it keeps maybe say anxiety at the forefront because this pattern is at play and this pattern is at play because of certain things they believe, certain things they value and certain things they do. I always think as well, when it comes to us trying to change, you know, that state of anxiety, it's like a car, you know? Our physiology and our emotions are like the back two wheels of the car. We can't turn them or control them. But how we do control them is by the front two wheels of the car, you know, because the front two wheels are like what we think and what we do, what we think about and what we, uh, the actions we take. That ultimately influences how we feel emotionally and how we feel physically. So I always tell people, don't try and tr control your emotions directly because you can't. And don't try and control how you feel physically because it's indirect. You know, it's kind of like we start to, if we start on a diet, I'm not into diets, but if we start on a diet, it takes, you know, time for the body to follow up and start to lose the weight. So you focus on what you think and what you do. And when I say what you think, that's where I like unbox and I like unbox the fear and I explore their motivators and what makes them come alive. I'll then also explore what they're doing that may reinforce certain beliefs and values. And I'll, I'll see where they've come from, anything that was predisposing or whatever, and what kind of, should I say, keeps that belief or that value running, you know, what's throwing fuel on it all the time. And, and I'll unbreak, I suppose unbox that over time. And that's really the key. So these affirmations are well and good, and that's great. Um, and, and it does help to a degree, but you've got to get under the hood. Why is it that I think this about myself? Why is it that I believe this? Why is it that, you know, this value is causing me problems in life? What I mean by that is it could be a healthy value. Um, and maybe the value is perfectionism. And I'm saying, because of your perfectionism, we, you've set a value bar too high, you know, trying to be perfect all the time. And because it's set too high, so we kind of have to readjust the value in that respect. So does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. So like we get, if we do get to that point of, of clarity of those mm. beliefs and those values and what drives the mindset that we currently have, then how do you go about changing it? Change. Yes. This is the one thing we, 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 one thing we don't like is change. We love routine. We're creatures of habit as humans. How you got to change it ultimately comes down to, I suppose in the simple terms, you, you've got to rewrite that belief, but you've got to find why the belief came in the front in the first place. What was, what opened the door to it? And I'll use my own experience, right? So I was burning the candle at both ends. And then I, you know, literally had that nervous breakdown, so to speak, and felt very isolated. What opened the door for fear was, 
for me was the fact that, you know what, I'm not always in control. You know, my life, my body might let me down. I'm not always in control of my future, where I'm going in life. And that opened the door for me. And I had to understand and come to a place with, with because I believe that, you know, I'm not in control. That's a fearful state to be in. I'm vulnerable every single day now. So fear just, you know, it's compounded over time for that following year and year and a half. But what I had to understand was to say, you know what? Yeah, I can't always be in control. And that's a, a belief that I may have had of, oh, I, if I think I'll be great, I'm going to be great for the rest of my life. You know, that's that was a very, very young coaching mentality. I realized that's not a healthy one and not an accurate one either. So what I realized for me was I said, you know what? I have to understand that there's going to be things I can control, going to be things that I cannot control, but that I, I got to make peace with whatever comes my way. And I read this Latin. It says, Amor fati. Uh, it was, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but that was the Latin. And it says, love thy faith regardless of what it is. And it was kind of like, whatever comes your way, you just learn to have that attitude of, well, look, I'll do all I can do. I can only do my best. But you know what? There are going to be things that I can't get through. There will be, you know, fearful things. But it's, it was coming to more healthy belief in that respect. So I had to kind of break down what is it that I was believing that was causing me fear and then rewrite it to one that actually works for me or serves me better. So you've you got to rewrite them in that respect. And um, it and takes this, time, yeah. It takes time, right? And this was the big, and I have to stress this, Karen, you're right, because unboxing and getting to understanding, I had to do a lot of this myself. I didn't go to therapy or counseling or anything. Um, I used, I suppose, my coaching knowledge to delve a whole lot deeper. Um, I used to do a lot of business coaching and stuff and relationship coaching and motivation, but I'd never gone down the road of mental health, anxiety stuff. But anyway, I had to because of myself. But I remember delving deep and searching. And when I got to figure it out at the outset, that was only the first step. But what came over time was I had to constantly reinforce that in myself. I did have to write, I wrote it down on my phone and I would constantly reread it, reinforce it. And I literally going to use the term, I had to fake it till I made it because I, my body, my thinking wasn't in alignment with it. My physical body, my emotions, nothing was in alignment. Everything was blown out with anxiety. But my gut just kept saying, no, but you know what? There's going to be things that happen. Anxiety will come and go, but I just keep going, keep going, keep going. And it was a bit more to it, but that was basically what I did. And I had to keep reiterating that to myself over time. There's nothing to fear, but fear itself. You know, anxiety is, is cannot control me. I am, I am in control of what I do in my day because my fear was that anxiety would take over and I'd lose my mind. That ultimately what it got down to. And I had to keep reassuring myself on the daily. But here's what I also did as well. I did make massive schedule changes and routine changes. They obviously had a huge impact, but routine as far as that I was getting time to do the things I love to do that weren't work. They weren't, you know, income making activities. They were literally right. I'm going to do this because I, I love to do this. I, I went, I, I remember, uh, started cycling. I started doing other things that I love to do. And just because I love to do them and I, or I used to love to do them, I just started doing them. And that element of escapism, as it were, was a massive change for me. That was nothing to do with the words I would tell myself, or whatever. It was just an injection of fun. And I will always say this to clients, right? I'll say, right. And I'll look at their schedule on a weekly, uh, their weekly schedule. And I'll say, right, where's the fun you're having? Where's the just literally, you know, good old fun you? What are you doing to have that fun? Where is it? And people say, I'm not doing anything to have that fun. I said, well, listen, we need to, what did you used to love doing that was, you know, giving you the crack, whatever else? You may not love what you used to love doing when you were 15, now that you're like 35, but you can adapt it and adopt it because we lose the fun element in adult life. And I think that's a massive impact on our anxiety levels because we're not getting to de-stress, decompress and have some fun. And fun could be just simply 
you know, having a cup of tea curled up on the couch with a good book, you know, that if that's fun to you, you know. I think that's such an important point. I've talked about this a lot in the podcast, which is I think people f- subscribing to this idea of wellness and, you know, all the things that we should be doing to keep ourselves well. And it's that can be counterproductive. And I think if you go with your approach is just like, what do you what do you love to do? Like that can only if you spend time doing something that you love doing that puts you in the moment, it makes you mindful, it probably down regulates your stress response, it calms the anxiety, then that's the thing that you should gravitate towards as the thing that you're doing to tick your sort of health and well being boxes, even though it seems like frivolous. And um, rather than trying to, you know, make yourself be someone who does meditation, if it's not, if you're not into it, if it feels like, you know, a task, on your to-do list I think people have have to remember that and maybe we've we've all consumed one too many articles about things that we should be doing for our well-being and maybe you know it's become part of the problem as well so I think where yeah yeah, look like for someone struggling with anxiety it's probably very hard to identify where in the week there's there's room for fun and it might seem like well I don't know how to have fun and but like you say it could even be just like for me it's just curling up and watching something and having no obligations or pressure even if it's just for like one hour which is quite rare with the baby but that for me is like where I I recharge and it's not getting up and doing a cycle at 5 a.m because that just doesn't do it for me (laughs) not not nor me (laughs) yeah so I think we we know kind of if Mm. if our mindset needs work because we might feel great or you know we might this might be goals we're not getting to or things getting in the way of our us enjoying our life but could I ask you you know, where should we want our mindset to be? Where, what is a good mindset? Like obviously there's different types of mindset, but where, like where, what do we want? Or how does our, should our mindset be serving us? Brilliant question. Excellent question, right? Let me say this because you see, here's the thing when it comes to mindset, we all wear different hats in life, right? You might be the daughter hat when you're around your mom or whoever, you know, you might be the wife hat, you might be the mom hat, you know, um, and we want, have all these and the professional hat. So there's all these, I suppose, hats that we wear. And when it comes to our mindset, I always try and segment and say, well, this is who you are when you're in work. But, you know, you don't want to be who you are in work when you come home to the family and vice versa. Um, you know, and, and sometimes I, I particularly find this when I'm working with, you know, CEOs or managers and companies, they kind of, they're CEO in work and they're CEO at home. And it's like, the kids don't connect with me. I don't know why. And I'm like, well, you're CEO at home. That's why you're being, you know, taskmaster. So we sometimes have to segment who we are like that. But I will always say this, and particularly in a relationship, right? I'll use this one example. I will say to people, I'll say, look, here's the thing. I said, you're, 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 say, your your daddy hat or mammy hat all the time, right? A friend of mine is a stay at home dad, and he's daddy hat all the time, right? And him and the wife were saying, oh, we're just so busy with the kids and with with the new the newborn, right? And it's just so busy all the time, and we're not getting kind of. I suppose we've, we've drifted because I co- I'm coaching him. And he said, we just drifted in the relationship, but I still love her and there's no problem. It's just, we've drifted. And I say, right, because you're in daddy hat all the time. Now I need to know date night hat. I need to know, you know, the, the, the boyfriend, you know, that, that before you were married, remember that you were a boyfriend, remember the early days of your relationship. What was it like then? Who, what was your hat then? What was your mindset then? And I said, now with that mind, and I would, we, we, we talk about that a bit. And then you, you start to see them, they sit up and they start going, yeah, that's right. Oh man, I used to bring her out on dates. We used to do this. We used to do that, whatever else. And of course, you know, love matures and relationships mature. So it's not going to be exactly like the honeymoon stage at the start of the relationship, but I get them back into that mindset or that hat as it were. And I say, now with that, I want you to plan Saturday night, you know, or, you know, go on a day. And then they reconnect because sometimes we get stuck in in one frame of mind all the time so we, we've got to understand that sometimes that we we our frame of mind needs to change 
accordingly. It doesn't change who we are. It just means that we're not bringing work home and vice versa. And we're not getting stuck in, you know, every time we're out, all we do is talk about the child. And then when the child's there, all we do is talk about the child all the time. Sometimes it's good to, to kind of separate and that's kind of keeps things fresh. When it comes to the right mindset or a healthy mindset, um, so to speak, I would say it's one that's balanced. Um, easier said than done. If you're someone struggling with anxiety, it's very hard. But here's what I say, and this is a very important thing. And I and this worked for me, and I've seen this work with so many clients. But what I say is sometimes you got to set your, let's say your week, your routine to a degree, your schedule, what you're going to do that week. Set it with the mindset as if you didn't have anxiety. I said, just, just try and think if you didn't have anxiety, how would you plan your week? Because sometimes what we do is, as we know, we, 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 plan around anxiety. Oh, I'm not going to go do this. I'm not going to see my friends or I'm not going to go here because of anxiety. I say, no, plan your week without anxiety. Right. So I might just use this as an example. And then what I say to them is, right, now commit to yourself that, you know, you're going to feel anxiety. You're going to feel horrible sensations. It's anticipate that you'll feel it, anxiety at its worst, but follow through in your schedule regardless. Now it's really hard to do that. Right. But that's what I did. And I found that to be one of the game changers for clients. They go, right, I'm going to go to this thing, but I'm going to anticipate the anxiety. I'm going to anticipate the fear. Yeah. Just literally own it and show up and just keep showing up. And that in itself, do you remember top of the car, the thinking and the doing, the front two wheels? Well, sometimes our thinking is, is too anxious, but simply just the doing, showing up to what we know we would want to do if anxiety didn't exist and getting into that mindset that generates a mindset in itself because action and routine, what it gives us is it gives us results. And then what we see is results generate momentum and momentum generates motivation. And then we look back and go, you know, in spite of anxiety, I still showed up to that party. I, I still did that presentation in, in work. You know, I, I was still able to deal with that problem when it came in spite of the anxiety. And what it does is that builds confidence, confidence that you are now in control, not anxiety, regardless of how you feel. And that's when things begin to change. That's when the future begins to look brighter because you say, you know what, this may be here, this may be a problem, but it's not going to hold me back in life. And when people get to that mindset, you know, they start to then do things like fun. I was talking to one client recently and she has had chronic, you know, insecurity, so to speak. Uh, I'm not enough, um, just doubting herself. And she's in her forties now. And she literally two weeks ago, she said for the first time I've done now, I think about six sessions with her. She said, for the first time in my life, I want to go and have fun and do things. I feel anxiety is gone. And I said, well, look at, I'm going to anticipate anxiety may even try to come back again, but I've never been in this mindset or this frame of mind feeling in myself that anxiety, this is what life was like. And she said these words to me, right? She's in her forties. She said, is this what it feels like for everyone? And isn't that amazing? Like she yeah. literally felt like she came out of a dark cloud. Wow, that's amazing. You've given me so much food for thought, even with my own anxiety and my own mindset. And I'm sure you've done the same for everyone listening. So if people want to know more or a lot of my listeners are actually based in the UK. So do you work with people remotely if they were interested in that? Yeah, predominantly remotely because I work with people all over. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, where will they find you? So yeah, absolutely. Markfennel.ie, two N's and two L's. That's the point of call. I, you can also connect with me on Instagram as well. It's the same. It's markfennel.ie on the user on Instagram as well. I can't thank you enough for, for sharing everything that you have here. It just makes so much sense and you distill it so well. Um, especially that last point about just asking yourself, you know, it's such a good 
way to, to look at your day what would I do if anxiety wasn't here and I something I actually mentioned recently and, and I have a chapter on this in my book is like knowing the difference between your personality and your anxiety because if if you would want to do something if you didn't have anxiety then that's your personality talking but if like you mentioned there like you know having anxiety and still going to a party if you didn't have anxiety but you still didn't want to go to a party then that's something to respect because that's who you are that's your heart that's your good that's your personality so you don't want to push you don't want to push yourself in a direction that doesn't serve you but you if it's just anxiety holding you back you do kind of want to work with that so it's a really good way to propel yeah. you forward like you say what was at the beginning about if your future compels you if your future compels you it will propel you and i think that's ultimately what it comes down to when, when something compels you greater than anxiety tries to influence you that's when you'll go after it because it's kind of like i always use this example with people right where they say um if you're going out on a first date and you've been dating this person for a while and whatever else and that first night when you go to kiss the anxiety is huge the nerves of well, what if they don't kiss or oh, what if they don't, don't, don't kiss me back but the, 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 I suppose the love overrides that anxiety and you continue on and you go for that kiss, so to speak. So that's where, you know, you've got these stronger forces in your life, like love or passion or a sense of purpose and fulfillment. Those forces, when activated and tapped into, are far more powerful than anxiety a lot of the time. And it's using them to kind of counteract. So that's when it, when it compels you, it will propel you um, for sure. Oh, Mark, I can't thank you enough. It's been it's been great. Um, is there anything you want to leave people with before we let you go? Um, yeah, I think, you know, what I'll always say is this, is that when it comes to anxiety, no matter how dark it may feel, and it is a dark cloud and it feels like it's, you know, what is what is the future to look like or whatever else? I will say this. You sometimes have to, you know, they say face the fear and do it anyway. And that's easier said than done. But start showing who's in control and prove it to yourself. Show that I'm in control. In spite of this feeling, take baby steps. And I always say this to people. You're only looking to be 1% better. Don't try and be change your life overnight or in a week. And despite what you see on Instagram, forget all that for a moment. Just try and be 1% maybe this month, maybe next month. Just drop, focus on the 1%. What would make me 1% shall I say, better than I was in spite of anxiety and take those baby steps and start facing into the fear, facing into the wind and say, I know it's going to be hard. I know anxiety will show up because, but anxiety has a pattern too. And anxiety is predictable as well, but we're going to show you who's boss. And that's the key. Oh, such good advice. Thanks so much, Mark. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. Absolutely. And I hope it made a lot of sense. <laughs> so thanks so much sense. for having me. Only sense. I appreciate that. That was good to chat as well. Absolutely appreciate it as well. And I'm sure it's going to, as your podcast does help so many, hopefully it'll help many more and continue to for sure. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access a full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.